in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 188. Yeah, 31s uh, and an annual. <laughs> <laughs> 31s plus 1. But, yeah. 30, 31 and 32. 30, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's what I get for laying down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> On the job. That's right. <laughs> uh, so after this episode, we are totally, you know, at least as we record this, not as you hear this. <laughs> we are True. we are totally caught up with uh, our uh, our uh, issue reviews, uh, and uh, we can move on to other pursuits and uh, do the occasional issue review to stay current, at least for our timeline. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so what are we gonna do? We're gonna, I'm gonna start with the uh, New Guardians Annual Number Two, and then move on to Thirty One, and then you'll take Green Lantern. I'll take Green Lantern Corps, or you'll take Red Lanterns. That is the agenda. Yes. Awesome. All right. So, Green Lantern New Guardians Annual Number Two. Justin Jordan. Steven Segovia, Edgar Salazar. We open on Earth in New York City, where Kyle Rayner is sitting down trying to sketch. And I say trying because he uh, his sketches are looking like the equivalent of a uh, three-year-old's drawing. But we turn the page and we realize that uh, he's sketching a really funky-looking individual. They're, I don't know how to say that, a deformed human being something? I don't know what to say, call, to call it, to, to make, to put the image in your mind. It's, it's like a, a real life child's drawing of a person come to human form. Whatever. Um, so Kyle's frustrated, can't make it right, starts erasing the sketch as he's erasing the sketch. The person, quote-unquote person, disappears, and Kyle's eyes become filled with purple energy, and his word bubbles become black, and he's like, it, it needs to be right. It's not right. Uh, cut over to Ferris Air, national headquarters in Coast City, and Carol's board of directors is basically breathing down her neck about her being gone for months, and there's stuff that needs to be done, and she's like, First of all, everybody shut up. Second of all, I hired you people so that I wouldn't have to do everything. And third of all, if you got a problem with that, and then slams the door. Um, so she sits down in her office, and her uh, assistant calls her and lets her know there's been a break-in at a storage facility in New York. And 20 seconds later, Carol is in New York, checking on the storage facility. Opens the lock with uh, her ring. Kyle greets her at the door, uh, and uh, this is uh, they start talking. And what are you doing here? And I thought you were gonna be with the Guardians for a little while, you know that that whole thing. Uh, and then 
she's you know noticing what's going on. She's seeing like a shadow of the person that was sitting there on the wall. She's asking what's going on, and then suddenly powers up and lashes out at Kyle. And well, uh, who the hell are you? You're not Kyle. And he's like, yeah, I am. Uh, and well, Kyle wouldn't come back to Earth without telling me first. Uh, you're not Kyle, and he wouldn't believe he. I don't wouldn't believe he'd take off his ring, and then schlup, there's his ring on his finger, and she's like, uh, "See, I told you I'm Kyle," and she's like, "Forming a ring out of your hand uh, uh, isn't uh, a way to convince me you're actually Kyle." Um, suddenly, Kyle flares up with his power, but it's. I hesitate to say it's black energy, but it's. Oh, how about black light energy? You know, kind of purpley, kind of black, kind of silver, kind of cosmic stardust kind of energy. He Remember how Ion looked? And I don't mean the first Ion, I mean the 12-issue crappy miniseries Ion. When, Starface Ion. <laughs> yeah, Starface Ion. That's what this kind of looks like. Like that interpreted on Kyle's current White Lantern costume. That's what this looks like. Um, but anyways, uh, they start fighting. Her and, her and Kyle start fighting, and Kyle's like, no, I can make it right. Meanwhile, we cut to space, and Kyle and the Guardians are fighting off space sharks, and now space squid, and trying to, you know, I don't know, blow off some steam, kind of, as it were. Suddenly, Kyle gets a, a flash of, of, you know, something's wrong, something's going on. He senses it has to do with Carol. And they're like, you shouldn't go to Earth. Everyone needs to stay, think you're, you're still dead. And he's like, well, screw you guys. Uh, I'm getting out of here. Uses his compassion power and teleports himself to Earth, where he is in Arizona, the town where his dad lives. And there's a giant silvery bubble over his father's town of energy. So Kyle, doing the smart thing, goes to scan it first to see what it's comprised of and what's going down. And gets some feedback, which knocks him out of the sky and onto the ground. And being on the ground, Carol greets him. And Kyle starts freaking out and losing it and kind of losing touch with reality, literally, as he starts kind of fading away. And Carol's like, you need to feel everything. You need to feel so you can remain real. And that's when, bam, she kisses him, you know, straddles him and all that kind of jazz. I don't know. She looks awfully close there for a minute. That I, I don't know how you get in that position without. Well, anyways. <laughs> Keep it PG, Chad. Keep it PG. <laughs> There's no holes in these costumes, are there? Anyways, um, it, it's made it a light. There can be holes anywhere you want. <laughs> awesome. Uh, oh God. Uh, so Kyle's like, "Well, I felt that." <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it actually says, ha, 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 there's a bubble there. I'm just kidding. Um, so Carol's like, welcome back. And, and he's, you know, she says, Carol, and she's like, I know, I just didn't, okay, it's one of those, I know, but I didn't think you, you knew you knew or something. I know, I just don't think, I, I just didn't think it would take this long, take you this long to also know. He's like, I kind of been busy. There's been a lot on my mind. Meanwhile, and then Kyle's dad shows up and, Kyle, I thought you were an artist and this whole thing. So Kyle turns around and sees that there's like... <laughs> Worf looks funny. 
<laughs> they all they all look funny. Yeah, there's twisted reality versions of you know, if you gave a child, a five or six year old, a pencil and said to sketch all of these characters like Kilowog and Monk and Guardians and stuff, the twisted, augmented, squiggly line child drawing you would get of all these characters, the real the the flesh and blood interpretation of those child drawings are standing there as Kyle's like, I'm the real Kyle. Uh this you know, star o star starry Kyle Rayner. And of course, Kyle starts fighting him as he tells Carol to get his dad out of the out of way out of the way. Uh, Kyle starts talking about uh his life it wasn't it was empty. I, I am empty. I needed to fix things. And Kyle's like, it's wrong. And the star, he tries to reason with the starry version and they just start fighting. It's, it, the, 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 the verbiage spewing out of this guy is kind of incoherent. So I'm just going to do my best here and just wait till we get to the end. Um, the starry Kyle gets the upper hand while Carol takes him out and starts, uh, you know, throwing constructs of, oh, look, a plane. Wonder where she got that from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Adam and Kyle, uh, Starry Kyle, Evil Kyle's like, I don't want to hurt you. Then Kyle's dad approaches Starry Evil Kyle and is like, "This is madness. Stop it! If you were really my son, uh, he would never do these things." And he's like, "I am your son. No, you're not, and you'll never be." And Kyle says, "Get down, Dad. I'm ending this," and just kind of blows Evil Kyle all to hell. And everybody looks back to normal and fine, including what looks like... Oh, no, those those other ones are fading away into the real people. Okay, that looked kind of weird. Um, so, no, no, it's not over. And Parallax Evil Kyle returns. Um, yeah, kind of. You know, kind of, sort of. Parallax plus Venom plus uh, Starry Evil Kyle uh, shows up. Carol's supposed to get rid of uh, get his dad out of the Kyle's dad out of the way and all the townspeople. Kyle starts fighting back, and Kyle's like, "I'm feeling stronger," and because he's feeling stronger, and he's feeling stronger because I'm feeling stronger, and he knows it. And but I, <laughs> yes. and you know that I know that you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kyle starts fighting, and once Carol gets everybody clear, Kyle goes bam, and creates a source ring <laughs> wall around the entire town. So that he can fight him. And Kyle basically gives us a little history of his time behind the source wall and uh, giving up the entities into the to refill the reservoir. But he also talks about how he basically sees the instructions that shape our universe. So the operating code for reality, um, which as some of you who are familiar with the DC universe would call probably the uh, life equation. Or uh, whatever, whatever it was. What, what, what did, what did he call it? The was it dark side. Yeah, dark side. What did dark? He was always looking for what the anti-life equation. Yeah, right? the anti-life equation. So basically, the act of observing the anti-life equation or the the equations to reality, whatever you want to call this, the act of observing it changed it, and he created oblivion without even realizing it, and. All my anxiety, anxiety, the endless wants, the fears, the anger, everything that that gnawed uh, at me deep in the corners of my mind, given form. That's what Oblivion is. So now he realizes that he's not supposed to fight Oblivion. He's supposed to lose to Oblivion. 
Uh, he does this by allowing Oblivion to just kind of enter him. And, you know, he's basically Kyle split his light and dark side into two. And now he needs to merge to become whole again. So he does that and poof, disappears. And Kyle's dad's like, I don't know where the hell he went. Where is Is he alive? I don't know. And Carol's like, I don't know. And cries. And that's it. Yeah, it sums it up. (laughs) Yeah. What'd you think? Well, it's not your father's oblivion, that's for sure. I don't know. I think I like old. I liked old school oblivion better than this guy. I'll tell you, I don't. I can either. I don't know. I've either never read or don't remember very well oblivion. Or it was only in that one storyline, the Circle of Fire storyline. That's the only time he ever appeared, and it was in that storyline. I don't think I have all those issues. Which was funny because when I was looking for the issues, when I was going going through all my tubs based on our other comic quest. To try to get find stories, I found some pieces of Circle of Fire, and I didn't find all the one shots either, which I know I have. You mean your your comic quest for Heroes Quest? Yes, I, I almost mentioned that that was that. <laughs> and I and I at least have the two issues that I knew I had because I knew I never had the Shazam issue. So, but staying on point, yes, somewhere I do have the entire Circle of Fire storyline when the original Oblivion, and I thought that was much better overall. Um, I also it also kind of bothered me that. It's like kind of like going back to the well again with Oblivion pretty much talking like Parallax. Yeah. Everything was about making it right, setting things right. I can, I need to make things right. You know, I, I'm me, don't you know? You know, all, all this, I mean, everything. It, it, that's all that reminded me of it was, uh, other than the fact that, yes, he kind of does resemble the, uh, the second lamer version of Ion based on some of the, some of the aspects of his costume. But they did kind of give him the Parallax teeth. To a certain extent, even before, even before they kind of gave him that, you know, that swirling tongue and that once, and that like big, after he comes back, after Kyle seemingly has beaten him the first time. Right. I don't know. I, I didn't think, I was kind of disappointed in this issue overall. Of course, he kind of got the kiss with Kyle and Carol, which I guess we, I guess we all knew was coming at one point. We kind of was hoping that we were going to, I was anyway hoping we were going to avoid it. At least Kyle was going to continue to basically not necessarily have feelings for her while she had feelings for him. And now it's like, oh yes, I've been kind of, kind of like the whole, I've been hiding these feelings. What, uh, more drift, yeah, <laughs> drifting more into that kind of thing. Not drifting, yeah, but I don't think they were there because, I mean, Kyle's like, Kyle doesn't really says say that he feels anything for, just that I guess I did notice it, but I didn't want to say anything because I've got other stuff going on right now. There's a lot to say. I mean, he does say there's a lot to say, which does imply certain things, but. At the same time, it's, he's, you're not, he's not necessarily telling us he feels the same way. But, I mean, he is. it looks like he's kissing her back, so... Yeah, I think he's definitely kissing her back. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I found hard to believe out of this entire issue, surprisingly enough, is how close Kyle is with his dad right now. Did that shock you? <sighs> Did it shock me? I don't know if it shocked me, but there were... I mean... The, the relationship with Kyle and his father has always been odd, no matter which kind of version or which uh, volume of the book we're dealing with. It's like he's never been super close with him. Obviously, they've given kind of different backgrounds to him of what he does, where you know where he came from, you know what his job was before he became a mechanic. They've kind of like they kind of made that as a as a given. But I mean, what is you know why he left Kyle? They kind of been different versions of what was. I don't know. I. Well, I mean, different versions in, in Kyle's past as a character, yes, but just within the 30 issues, 31 issues of the New 52 New Guardians, and Kyle's involvement with all of that, 
No, there hasn't, because there really hasn't been any interaction, yeah, it's, has there? What, what, two issues maybe that his father's shown up, and the last time we saw him, it was a fairly strained, I don't know a whole lot about you, but I'd like to, you know, come into your life and get to know you a little better type of thing. And now they're, like, super close, and and Kyle, uh, Kyle's dad is like, I know my son better, and he would never do this, my son, this whole thing. And I'm like, really? They're this close? Did Kyle, like, come back to Earth and have, you know, family outings and dinners and stuff with his dad, and I just had no idea? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, not like he'd been in much of a position to send postcards. I know, right? So <laughs> so it's kind of been hard to keep in touch. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could just add that to the list of stuff that's either not really been fully explained or... Let's not, let's not say it's a contradiction, but it's certainly... It's kind of fishy as far as based on the evidence that we've had so far of making of it all kind of meshing perfectly. Now, given my spotty memory about Oblivion, did Oblivion have the same type of reaction to Kyle that, um, oh, what was his name? Why do I keep forgetting it? 90s Kyle, the, the guy that made the yellow constructs. Which one, Nero? or Nero. Nero, Nero right? Nero, yes. Every, every time Kyle got amped up on power, Nero got an increase in power, too. Like, they were both, you know, when Kyle was supercharged, so was Nero. Did, did Oblivion have the same type of thing? Oh, God. Because I'm, if Oblivion didn't, I would, I would say there's a little bit of Nero here in, a, in this New 52 Oblivion. Because Kyle gets supercharged up, and so does he. I don't think it was the same thing. I think, I, from what I remember, because this is a long time ago, uh, I think Oblivion... I think Oblivion was just really, really powerful to start with because of, you know, all the stuff Kyle and his subconscious and how he would dream and everything else. And it would basically, all that would manifest itself and go somewhere and it became Oblivion. Same way he teamed up with all these different lanterns, which were all part of parts of Kyle or his psyche and everything, including, you know, one which was Alex as a Green Lantern. I don't think, I don't think he beat him by like just kind of like giving in and like, Almost like the like in our parallax view discussion, kind of where Agantha just says, you know, if you want to take it to Hal, and it just, I don't think it ended the same way. But again, I I would not say a hundred percent sure I'm right because it's been a lo- I've only I haven't revisited that storyline since it first came out. So yeah. I gotta say I like the colors in this issue. Yes, the colors were the colors were nice, and for the most part, well, I can't let me take I don't want to let me double check before I make a. Carol, when she stars Sapphire, I think looks pretty good in most of this issue. Carol is Carol. I don't think it's kind of drawn kind of weird, I think, in a few panels. They kind of gave her the J-Lo look at the end when she's standing there in front with Kyle's dad. Yeah. But, um... Just like the color of the energy on both Kyle and Carol and and uh, Oblivion. It all looks really cool. Like when uh, when Kyle teleports away from the Guardians. Yes. That That looks super cool. Space sharks can't get enough of space sharks. Ah, space sharks this time, not the like half half cyber space sharks. Right. What did you think about the whole source wall kind of thing, or the explanation they kind of gave, or what was being implied? Eh, this I will say this whole issue is kind of confusing in that regard. I mean, Kyle is if if they're gonna go with kind of demystifying the whole source wall thing and the concept of the DCU, I think the explanation should be a little more than a couple of panels, you know what I mean? Yes. It just seemed like you're trying to... 
I don't know. It just it just seemed like less than I was expecting somehow, which made it somehow confusing. And they're also clearly trying to, at least as for a while anyway. We don't know how long it's going to go and where they're going to take it, but it seems like they're doing their best to kind of amp up Kyle's power set again. Yeah. Um. So and this kind of touched upon it that the way he was just able to not only. He was able to see basically, you know, the, the operating code of the universe that just, he was able to, you know, inadvertently change it. So that all is pretty heavy, heavy duty stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. Which they explain a little more in the next issue, which makes it kind of even more ridiculous. <laughs> I do like the next issue better though. Well, that's good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this issue is okay. I mean, it's, as DC, of the annuals I've read from the new 52 DC, this isn't too bad as far as the annuals are concerned. It's not the greatest, but it's not it's not the worst annual I've read from the New 52, and they've had a lot of bad annuals. Yeah, that's true. At least the Green Lantern ones have been pretty decent. The actual Green Lantern one, for the main title. Yeah. No, I I I thought it was okay. Again, I would I don't think it was great. Somewhere like around three stars out of five, maybe. Um, I kind of was hoping for a little bit more, especially when you you had the the hype about it that it was going to basically start laying the groundwork for the you know for the for whatever the next Green Lantern event is going to be that basically this was laying the groundwork for it. I think I kind of thought it'd be a little bit there'd be a little bit more to it. I can't I even though it's not the same, I do like the fact that they brought Oblivion back. I mean that's the one thing you do have to give credit and we've given credit before and we'll touch upon this when we get into core how they've that a lot of the creative teams have been revisiting characters and concepts that kind of been forgotten for a long time so that's definitely a plus and the fact that they brought back a version of oblivion was pretty cool because especially because oblivion as we mentioned had only he's really only appeared ever in one storyline it was pretty significant and as a character and kyle and certainly as a step in kyle's development oblivion was very important but he was you know but he only showed up once so the, it's kind of cool to have a, a revisiting or a reimagining of him in and at least they kind of gave a plausible explanation for why he could he could show up now. Right. So, New Guardians 31, or do you have anything else to say about the annual? I think... Who did the colors? Because I already Let's closed see. the digital. Okay. Let's see if I can find the, co- the cover page. The cover page would be in the back, I think. Yeah, I think with this one, it's going to be in the back. Uh, colors, actually, it looks like this... Man, there's a lot of... The way they, even the way they do the cover, they, they're writing up the credits and this is complicated. Um, it looks like there's two colors, colorists. Looks like Andrew Dollhouse and Hi-Fi. Oh, Hi-Fi always does great colors. Awesome. Not surprised. Yeah, 22 to 38 is Hi-Fi. So the, the last, the last half of the book. Not surprising at all. Okay, Green Lantern New Guardians number 31. We kind of open up where the previous issue left off. Uh, there's a brief recap of what happened in annual number two. As Kyle wakes up on another world, uh, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know what's going on, but he's freaking out, grabs his ring, throws it away, and immediately starts choking on the alien air. He doesn't know how, but somehow the, the ring comes back to him. Uh, he doesn't know if he made it come back or... Like, if he caused it, or if the ring sensed it and came back to him, or what. But he starts walking towards the nearest city-like structure. As he does, little things keep slipping up from the ground. He looks like grapes. 
they look like uh, severe burn blisters. Uh, yeah, that too. It's odd, odd to me that severe burn blisters look like grapes to you. <laughs> well, they were all grouped together like they were on a vine or something. <laughs> Kyle comes across the city and realizes it's a dead place. He sees uh, skeletons of the inhabitants. It's a civilized place, a place of of love and and the history. You know, they're they're eating together and you know so on and so forth. And suddenly his his ring something kicks in and he has memories of the planet as it was before it died. Uh, you know, suddenly and without warning, there was rage like a wave, then fear, then nothing. Um, but Kyle, uh, Kyle's, uh, doesn't understand what happened, what he can do now, but he starts seeing the little, uh, the, the little grape-like things that Mark mentioned, uh, um, uh, and that he's, you know, kind of bringing life back in some form or another, whether he means to or not. So he goes down into the earth, uh, or I say earth, in, into the ground of this planet, and the caverns down there look like bone. He comes across the uh, what looks like a, a a dangling boulder, and he shoots life uh, energy at it, trying to you know kind of reignite the core kind of a thing. And he realizes that he just restarted the heart of a living planet. Uh, and Kyle starts talking about it. He brings up Mogo, obviously, because we're all thinking it. And the planet says Mogo, and then trails off. And Kyle in this being are talking and evidently there were several he gets you know the 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 living planet starts talking he gives him you know kind of a history of what happened evidently there were several uh living planets uh, he says i had siblings once and for a time and time we were happy um so they started all these living planets starting started to bring life towards it and you know host that life and you know provide for it, give it food and shelter and, you know, allow it a place to live. And we're talking sentient beings, not just like, you know, random little creatures. And he says, all but one. My brother stood alone. He was wary of the young races he watched. And it's at that point that he says they killed us and reaches out towards Kyle with tentacles and grabs him up and starts talking about pollution. The planet starts talking about pollution and all kinds of uh, horrible things uh, that were destroying him. So he sent a, you know, the planet killed every living thing on its surface. And then as, well, Kyle, you know, says, you don't need to hurt me. And he's like, well, all, what does he say? Um, you small things you destroy, always destroy. Um, so he's throwing lightning at Kyle and all kinds of crap. Kyle flies up, you know, please don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. And he says, you sound like him, my brother. My brother begged, he pleaded, he threatened, but he would not listen, he would not see. And in an act of cold will, he did the unthinkable. He murdered me. And it shows a panel of Mogo blasting this planet to death. Um, And Kyle and this planet continue struggling against one another. And Kyle realizes, uh, as this planet names itself, what, Rock, is that a K? Is an R. Raga? Raga. Raga. Um, Kyle says he's he's coming back to life, not just this small part, all of the entire planet. It won't stop there. He intends to replace everything in the universe with himself. He's not just alive. He's a cancer. So, but Kyle's still begging. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Stop. 
until finally he kills it. Kills, kills Raga. And Kyle's like, it's clear to me I have no damn idea what I'm doing. The Guardians are right. I can't do this alone. I won't do this alone. I know what's, what going beyond the source wall did to me, but I know, I don't know what this going beyond the source wall did, did to me, but I know where to start finding out. Carol is now cut to Carol elsewhere, who is with the Guardians and talking about how Kyle's gone. And the Guardians are talking about how Quaros is gone too. And Carol's like, something awful is coming, isn't it? And then that's the end of the issue. Good job. I rather liked it. It certainly was better than the annual. I liked, the I liked it. History for Mogo, that's cool. Yeah, that that was that was good. The whole the whole uh, background with the living planets and the fact that they're related and this was the ugly headed stepchild of Mogo's family. Sounds like they all were. Yeah, it actually does sound like Mogo. Mogo was the black sheep because he was a good one. Yeah, but he did kill him. Killed his brother. And this place must be freaking massive. Look how small Mogo looks compared yeah, to. Yeah, Mogo is tiny compared to this planet. Yeah. Now, what'd you think? No, I like I liked it. I there was something about this issue like, when I first read it that kind of bothered me, and I don't entirely know what it was. Um, I think, and of course, let's see what issue thirty-two is like, and maybe that'll just kind of put put that concern to bed. But when I read it the first time, there was something about this issue that kind of gave me the feel that that what they're doing with the new guardians now with Kyle that it's not getting it's not stale but they could be getting to the point where if they don't do something with it more excite you know on an exciting level or more re- super relevant level uh that it could get stale so maybe it was more of a concern an overall concern for the green lantern books as a whole considering we know how core and lantern are that the idea that a, a third book could potentially go off the rails even though it'd be obviously a slight deviation compared to the other books. Um, I don't know. I can't even tell you why I got necessarily got that vibe off of this book. I mean, the story was some, was somewhat interesting. It was kind of cool seeing Kyle on his own. Yeah. Kyle basically having a solo adventure. I thought that was good. It was again dealing with Kyle's uh, his power base, trying to understand exactly what it what it is, what it isn't. Which of course it still makes you wonder if they really know what Kyle's power base is. I mean, he can bring he can bring things back. Um, Seemingly, but other times that you can't. I don't know. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. It's not. It's not the my. It's honestly probably one of my least favorites New Guardians issues since the new creative team took over. I can't again. I don't necessarily know if I can put my finger on why, but I, I didn't like it as. I didn't like it as well as the uh, God Killer three issue arc and. Um, the stuff with Nias and yeah, I don't. I just for some reason something about this didn't didn't play as well with me. Even though I did like the I did like who the basically the villain was and it, tying it into something else that we know and lo- love with Mogo was was clever. But there, I don't know. It's it's I know it's kind of a weird re- reviewer thought or rambling thoughts on this, but that, that's what that was what I got out of this when I first when I first kind of read it. I I I really rather enjoyed it. I mean, I thought I mean. Uh, it's a great one-shot sort of an issue. Um, I've always liked the Living Planet concept. I do like that they gave us a little bit of history with Mogo, but not they didn't give us too much so they could come back to this if they wanted to. They could come back to this concept and maybe show us one of the other planets. I don't know. Um, or maybe, you know, uh, maybe Mogo will somehow figure out Kyle's alive and Kyle can talk to Mogo about all this. But, you know, Kyle can... Keep a sec- Mogo can keep a secret about Kyle being back. I mean, I have no idea. Um, the whole idea of 
you know, Kyle is essentially a god now, and he is literally fighting a planet. Like, he gets pulled up into the sky, and the lightning is, you know, striking him, and all kinds of stuff. Like, he is he is going toe-to-toe with a living planet. I think that's kind of cool. It's like a, a an exercise in showing you his power set. Um, oh, I, the only the only thing I would say is there's not enough as dumb as it sounds. There's not enough interaction verbally between Kyle and the planet. He's he reaches a certain point and is just like, please don't make me kill you, and then keeps saying that for a while. There's no I don't know I don't even know what I'm trying to say there. It just seems like. The, the planet is giving him a lot of stuff, but Kyle, for a while, is just saying, don't make me kill you, don't make me kill you, don't make me kill you, don't make me kill you. Like, maybe he could have said more, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. The, the color palette, I mean, there's all reds and whites and darks, and, you know, it's, it's full of menace, and then you turn to that last page, and it's suddenly like, bright and cheerful! But, it, Carol's like, something awful is coming and you're like i don't get that feeling everything's suddenly bright and beautiful now (laughs) (laughs) like it it felt uh, it felt pretty awful when kyle was in a dead world facing off against the planet that was trying to kill him right now everything seems pretty calm and cool (laughs) that damn wet that wet blanket carol ferris that's right i don't know what else to say about it but I, i mean i particularly enjoyed it um yeah i mean the other than the fact that he went up against the living planet, just the concept itself of the living planets, tying it into Mogo, it wasn't over-explained, it wasn't overused, and they just kind of let it go. Uh, I, I get the feeling we won't be coming back to this anytime super soon. That was cool. Unless they somehow tie it into why. If they reference it again uh, anytime in the next issue or two or three, the only way I could see them doing it is trying to explain why of all places Kyle ended up on that planet. Otherwise, I don't see him coming back to it anytime soon. No, probably not. Which is, again, it's something I like. You know, it's uh, a kind of a one and done. That is true. That is another That is another plus, which which continues the kind of the structure that they've used in New Guardians for the most part since they since a new creative team took over is the fact that none of, none of the arcs have been particularly long. I think the biggest arc we've had so far is... Uh, is three issues, um, other than of course, unless you want to count the relic stuff, because then technically it would probably be four issues since all the all the build up to relic pretty much happened in in New Guardians. But everything since relic has been, you know, what two issue arcs, three issue arcs, so a couple of solo arcs, solo yeah. issues. So that that's it's certainly from a pacing point of view, it, it's it's doing what it's. It's 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 older brothers in books. Core and Lantern should you know should take a hint from, especially once the Dorland's Coon thing finally ends. That that's that you know other than whatever events are going to be building up to, that the actual story arcs within or getting us from point A to point B with B being the new event, that they should make these story arcs shorter and more self-contained because I think that. That works for New Guardians, and I think it's one of the reasons why New Guardians has been, uh, or is regarded as one, is probably, if not the best Lantern book, one of the best Lantern books going right now. Same thing you could say for Red Lanterns, that it follows us a relatively similar pattern in the stories that they're telling. They may have a big over, you know, overreaching sometimes, maybe, but it's sort of a, a, an overarching plan for what they're doing, but the stories that they're actually telling, you know, don't take up more than two or three issues before there's another story that they're telling, so. 
I think that certainly works in New Guardian's favor. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this issue? Because I, I mean, I, I I got nothing really to say other than I just enjoyed it. No, I think. I mean, I I don't want to. I didn't, and I don't want to be a wet blanket either. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't really. I didn't didn't seriously didn't enjoy it. I kind I did like it. There was just something about it that struck me, and it made me like I said, it may be or mean absolutely nothing, but there was something about it that kind of raised a red flag for me. And I don't and I don't know. Maybe I'm. It could maybe, to be honest, maybe I'm just it's it's lantern fatigue from from lantern and core that's starting to rub off on me a little. Maybe I mean I haven't I haven't got the same vibe off of red lanterns yet, which is a good thing. But I don't I'm just you know I can't really explain why you know I would it was a good issue it just wasn't I, to me anyway it wasn't one of the better issues or the best handful of issues that they've done so far. Yeah. But it but it was still a good it was still a good read and it's still better than a lot of the other stuff we've we've been talking about lately. As far as the you know the, the monthly issues, yeah. So Green Lantern, Green Lantern thirty one, otherwise known as Uprising, part one of unfortunately six. Um, because you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. More Durlins, more Coon. <laughs> you thought you got a break but with, with the new Guardian stuff, but um, here here we are back again. Uh, Robert Venditti writer, Billy Tan the artist, Rob Hunter is the inker. So we begin in Space Sector 0441 with the Kung flagship, where Noah Anj is with the general, the Kung General Kurtz, and they're they're talking about you know the upcoming attack that they're planning, and they're on on the lanterns and their their alliance with the with the Durlins. There's a little cute little exchange for you know Noah Anj is more just focused on wanting to get back to doing what you know they're smuggling what they do best and. Just a little conversation about how, you know, the coon kind of make it sound like, you know, your business is a, you know, it's a charitable description at best. And, you know, I would wager that, you know, once the, once we've won the war, you're going to legalize your criminal empire. And she kind of points out that, you know, the, you know, is force the only thing you really think about or the only, is power all, always about a show of force, essentially. And it's like, we have a proverb about how, you know, legalization is the enemy of profit and just, you know, you run your slice of the universe, we'll run ours the way we want to. So just kind of showing again that there's a little bit of uh, the other, the kind of allies, they're not certainly on on the same page about much. Then we see one of the, you know, one of the one of the ancients, one of the Durlins, who's kind of le- leading the per- leading the parade there at their little meeting, talking about how you know it's time for the age of the Green Lanterns to end. They think they are safe on their homeworld on Mogo, but you know. But our agents are waiting, and there's kind of like no more time to, uh, no more cuts. Today we plunge the dagger into the hilt. So issue is, the issue is actually titled Battle, Battle of Wills, Uprising Part One. You have Hal talking to Graf and his, and his ever-growing group of non, non-energy using lanterns that, you know, Hal goes, what do you think? And he's showing off the coon's warship that he, that he won in that bet in the last issue. The Drokun, and Graf is kind of con- confused. I was like, "What do you mean? I mean, I don't understand. What, what do I think, or, or why you're asking me? What do I think?" And it's like, you know, we just got to the you know, the newest and the best Kuhn ship in the fleet, you know, right in front of you without a scratch, and we want you to break it apart. And Tomar, Tomar is kind of like surprised by this. It's like, "What do you mean? It's like uh, you're making us mechanics. You know, my father died for this for the for the core. I rate better. We all do." And Hal points out that you're an, you're a veteran lantern. All of your, you know, your experience, 
you know, find out, basically give me intel, find out what makes the Kuhn Navy tick, what are their soft spots, you know, how, how can, you know, how their technology works to kill us, you know, basically what can kill us and how we can make it not kill us. You go, intel, I can do that. And, and of course, I'm sure this was Chad's favorite part of the episode. We have the, we have the ever, ever present, can't have an issue without it kind of discussion about how the emotional spectrum is limited and how we're, we're using our rings and draining and draining it and killing the universe as Graf and Hal have a conversation because they're referencing back when uh, how Hal was copied by the Durlin and basically the Durlin told the universe the exact truth but just by saying it it kind of cre- created or um, it, it amped up the it magnified um, it multiplied the and the animosity towards the Green Lanterns in the universe by basically telling the truth and Graf kind of pointed out that, you know, that's how the converse, that's how they got into talking about the spectrum again. And Hal points out that, you know, just make sure you understand the Drokun inside and out, inside and out, because they're going to help you fly it. And that seemed to make Graf happy. And he goes, now you're, now we're talking. We have a cute little scene at the mess hall with Hal and his, uh, and his small council as they, as they basically are looking to eat and they find almost pretty much nothing at, at the buffet because, because all the all the kitchen staff were Durlin, so they have nothing to eat. You have a a significant discussion by uh by uh I I just went blank on it. Goran, excuse me, almost drew a blank. When Goran son's talking about his home world and how you know all the life is on the sea, we don't have much of a choice. If we separate from it, you know, we'll die. And basically, the only reason he can survive is because a little, conveniently enough, a little backpack on his back, uh, made by from his energy construct. And he kind of points out, tell that to Graf and his objectors. So they're having a little small council meeting, and uh, Hal points out, you know, we kind of need an attack plan. After the Dragoon gives up its secrets, we're going to go after the Kuhn Navy. And at that point, Mogo contacts Hal, and he goes, you know, I believe that, you know, there's an unidentified, unidentified spacecraft, or maybe unidentified spacecraft entering our star system. They appear to be quite numerous, and then you have a nice little page of the Kuhn Navy moving closer to Mogo, a little ba- nice little battle cry. The Green Lantern Corps dies today. Uh, Hal rallies the troops. He tells Kilowog to get to the command center. Hal leads the almost all the other lanterns on Mogo into battle. Kilowog points out, you know, I don't want to believe this, but Jordan they ain't just coon ships. And he points out, you know, Guatlin, Noelian, Broxite cruisers, you know, all their former friends, basically all the all the planets that we've kind of seen and, and heard over the past umpteen issues that have been turning against the Green Lantern Corps have pretty much all given, you know, given their ships into a large armada to go against the Corps. You know, Jeruk, Jeruk recognizes a vessel from his planet, uh, but 2-6 recognizes one from hers. Hal sends a message to all of the ships saying that, you know, the people of the universe, you're being misled. You know, we're not perfect, but we're still your protectors. Don't remember all the good. I mean, don't don't forget you know all the good that we've done in the universe think of all the good we can still do you know we're not tyrants just give us a chance sit down with me and you'll see that i'm you know that i'm telling the truth not surprisingly two sixes the ship from two sixes race kind of analyzes and makes the proper uh reaches the proper conclusion that you know his request isn't irrational uh, Gorin asks Hal, you, you think you made a dent? He goes, well, nobody's firing, so that's probably, and then all of a sudden, green energy breaks out and attacks one of the ships. And he goes, that was lantern energy, hold your fire. And then we, and then all of a sudden we see, uh, our old buddy Muck Muck, surrounded by a whole bunch of other, are surrounding 
uh, Hal, Gorin, looks like two six and uh, Salak, and revealing the fact that yes, they were they Muck Muck was indeed a Durlin. There's a bunch of other Durlins who have figured out a way to use Green Lantern rings, and at that moment, uh, basically the the fleet starts attacking. So basically, there's you know, there's warships. So the Green Lantern Corps has to deal with the warships. They have to deal with, you know, basically pseudo-lanterns fighting them. Hal points to, you know, points or tells Kilowog, he points out that, you know, the Durlins opposing his lanterns, their rings are working. Repeat, their rings are working. You know, he, he basically is telling Kilowog to see if he can find a way to take their rings offline. And Kilowog points out, well, I can't really do that. Only the Guardians can mothball a ring. Uh, the, the construct shields around the lanterns that Hal's with are starting to break, but basically that just... It's only temporary because Hal really gets pissed and he gets sick and tired of maybe even in his own, even if he's doing it subconsciously, maybe also holding back a little on his energy use. You know, he points out that, you know, I'm I'm through being on my heels. Everybody follow my lead. It's time I got willful in a big in a big splash page. Hal takes it to uh, takes it to the Durlins. He takes it directly onto Muck Muck. He goes, he points out that, you know. As their as the fake lanterns constructs start to get a little shaky, Hal adds to you know if they're having doubt, he adds to it. Doesn't even look like you have what it takes to make a construct. You know the the ring shows the real Muck Muck for a reason because he has the ability to overcome great fear. Every true lantern does. And as he keeps and as he keeps pouring it on and basically taunting them that you know there's no way that you can win you know a battle of wills with a Green Lantern. Uh, the their, the fake Green Lanterns, the fake Muck Muck, his ring says willpower faltering. Then it's willpower, not detective. Hal blasts them. Basically, all the fake, all the fake lanterns, one after the other, their rings come off. The Dur- the Durlins die. And at first, which is interesting, at first the rings say that you know the Green Lanterns are deceased. But then they realize. But then they get a different message, which is that all the all the Green Lanterns that were being imitated. That says error. All these all these Green Lanterns were actually located, which indicates that they were all captured and they were all being held somewhere. So the rings go look go back looking for their original uh, we, uh, bearers. Uh, we cut we cut to the bridge of the Kund warship. He keep, the, the general goes, you know, press the attack, finish them. And the Durlin said, no. Basically, our our agents have been revealed in the element of surprise. Pretty much that was the critical part of this. Without that, we can't. You know, we can't really win. The Kun point out, you imposters, you know, your imposters died before they could do any real damage. Your strategy fails and you flee. It's time for Kundish might. And the Durlin kind of says, you know, the imposters and the confusion they sowed were the battle. Without them, the plant living, the planet lantern will now be in play, Mogo. We can't stand against it. And the Durlin points out, there's always, you know, basically we are, we have more than one strategy. We have more than one ways to wield a dagger and kill. Return me to Durlin now. Or I will show you one of them. So the Kund sound the retreat. They all fall back. Uh, Gorin goes to Hal. They're retreating. What's the order? He goes, everything everything that just happened isn't supposed to be possible, referring to the Durlins wielding the rings, ever. But there's a bunch of lanterns out there who need our help. It's time for the Corps to rescue them. And you see all the rings from the, the impersonated lanterns flying off, looking for their original bearers. And it says, the rescue begins next week in Green Lantern Corps 31. Otherwise known as the quest for Muck Muck. <laughs> muck Muck? Muck Muck! Yeah. Everybody knows Muck Muck. That's right. Obviously, obviously he and Hal are pretty pretty good buds. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Not a whole lot to say here. Um, no, it, 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 re- reviewing it pretty much just tells you everything, I think. There are a few funny parts of it. Uh, some uh, Kilowog and 
with this really, like, like it's really horrible way of saying like a movie, like an army lives or moves on its stomach. You know, his little, his, his little tying referring to a digestive sack instead of stomach. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, obviously the stuff with Goran's planet is going to be relevant going forward. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. I know you like Goran to begin with. So that was a plus. Um, it's really funny because, you know, Tan draws some of these characters really well, but man, he does not draw how well at all. Yeah. And the hair. I think the hair is what bothers me almost as much as anything else. The way he just flops on his face like that. Yeah. I like his little, uh, I don't know, solution for the lanterns that won't use their rings. Yeah, he puts them to good use. Even though they, even though Tomar starts complaining about it. How could you do that to us? Well, you won't use your friggin' ring. What else are we going to do? We, as he points out, we can't put you on the front lines. Yeah. <laughs> he he could have put him to work in the mess hall with some aprons. Yeah, we lost our cooks. How about- That's right, we need to friggin' eat. <laughs> Go make me a sandwich. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> no cheese. <laughs> it was okay. On the sliding scale of Green Lantern issues, I thought, again, as we've discussed the last like few issues, it's been getting... Uh, even though we don't really like the storyline or where it's going, or the fact that it just keeps going. Maybe that's the best way to put it. The issues have gotten a little bit better. Um, I think they've gotten a little bit better. The artwork is shaky at times. Even Noel Ange towards the end looks kind of really shaky. Um, and Hal always looks stiff. He looks really stiff. Besides his hair, I think that's what bothers me the most. Like His arms just don't seem to bend at the elbow much. Uh, I, it, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was pretty straightforward. I think that's a plus. You know, it wasn't overly complicated. I like the fact... I kind of thought it was a nice touch with the rings that for, you know, first, you know, the Green Lantern deceased and then the ring was, you know, realized that nope, 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 the real Green Lantern, <laughs> the real owner of this ring is still alive. Mm-hmm. The whole atypical Hal Jordan, it's time I got willful. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, you remember Underdog? <laughs> underdog, Underdog would get in a fight and then shit would be looking awful for Underdog and then. The secret compartment of my ring, I fill with an underdog super energy pill. And then you <laughs> pop, pop a pill and suddenly go into beast mode. It's like that for Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan just like starts fighting and then out of nowhere, randomly seemingly, and in almost every fight he's been in, suddenly he's like, oh wait, I've got more. I've been holding back the whole time. <laughs> You're like, really? <laughs> Why didn't you? Least, why didn't you bust this out when this whole thing first started going down? <laughs> at least in this issue, I thought that at least you could kind of make a, make a case for why there was a trigger to get him angry. It's you know, or why he, or why you know his will was magnified at that point. I mean, and plus, who knows? He might have like I like I mentioned. Maybe part of it is that even though he has been using his ring relatively freely, maybe down he hasn't been using putting as much into it as he could have. Right. Because he's been holding himself back because of the emotional spectrum limitation garbage. Uh, but I think it also was like, it's just the idea of somebody, somebody else being, somebody else kind of like defacing the, you know, the Green Lantern ring. But, you know, someone like this being able to use it when you shouldn't be able to use it. And so I think it was just a whole, just being fed up with the whole situation. I think that's probably was part of why, what was the trigger. Yeah. So I, I, I think, I think I could see that a little bit more than many of the other times when he just when it's just overly convenient. <laughs> Definitely want to see more Goran Sun stuff. And you will, and you will. Yeah. Yeah, he is cool. 
Is there uh, anything else you want to say about this issue before we move on to uh, Green Lantern Core? No, I think we're ready for Core. It's Core time, baby. Uh, yeah. Also known as Yat Attack. Uh, all right, so Space Sector 700, the Durlins and the Kuhn are uh, off on their own kind of uh, rethinking battle strategy. Um, the Kuhn disagree with the Durlins' plan until the Durlins say the rings are seeking their true owners, and it finally sinks in for the Kuhn that down salary, we need to go get our captors. And they have an entire prison filled with uh, lanterns that they had, you know, replicated for their plan. So they're going to go down there and start killing them. It's at this point that one of the lanterns takes advantage, um, kills one of the Kundians, breaks out, and starts releasing some of the other ones. I can never figure out how to say this guy's name. Is it uh, T-U-R-Y-T-T? Turiot, I guess? One of, uh, one of them lets Turiot out. Like, I don't know how that Yeah, it should be Turiot. The guy kind of looks like Doomsday. Yeah, he does. I've always liked this lantern. I've said this in the past a long time ago. I think he looks badass, and I think we need a figure of him. Uh, he's been around long enough. We should have a figure of him right now. Um, he starts going Hulk on some people, and uh, they, I mean, it's basically a bunch of fighting uh, until finally the rings show up and locate their true bears. Muck, muck the badass. Uh, muck, muck! Muck, muck! Uh, and we, need, we need a muck, muck figure. That's right. Um, and then uh, everybody fights. Uh, one of the lanterns ends up dying. Um, there's, it's, uh, the, the, basically the Kund are taken care of. Now it's up to the Durlins to stop everything. Suddenly a train comes rocketing towards the surface and takes out the Kund on the surface. John, and then, you know, that's heralds the arrival of John and his band of merry men and a woman. <laughs> Women, because Arisi is with them. Uh, they bust into the prison, at least the top level, take on some of the Durlins, and the Durlins shapeshift into... Is that an FPYN? Fapian Stonewalkers, which are apparently are extremely dense, so they believe that the you know the they're not gonna get the lanterns aren't gonna get through them. But John uses uses his architectural knowledge and says, uh, Fapians are extremely dense, that's a whole lot of weight on this floor. After those rings broke through, I can't imagine it has much structural in- integrity. Then crack <laughs> Yeah, didn't think so. As everybody goes plummeting towards uh, into a massive cavernous hole, <laughs> you know everybody except the lanterns, of course. The lanterns down below are continuing their fight. Um, keep fighting each other. One of the the lanterns gets the better of one of uh, the Durlins and starts beating him half to death. Um, and uh, he's been severely wounded. The Kundians walk in. Uh, the Kunds walk in to. Uh, take care of some of the lanterns that's when the the floor caves in on top of them and john shows up with his band of merry men and women uh john's like let's get the hell out of here we basically just drove a hole straight through down to you guys let's fill it back up it's one of the it's then that one of the lanterns says uh we're, we're not leaving and john's like well come on let's go no you don't get it we're, there's somebody else here we have to take care of we heard we overheard them the, the them talking about him we don't know if he's a lantern or not, but he's been down here before any of us. And John's like, well, this is no way, no place for anyone to die. Um, nearby, some of the Durlins grab the rest of their... Um, do they even say what it is? They still haven't given it a name. Just this ra- the radioactive energy stuff that they drink to be able to transform. They down it all. They uh, 
Lanterns continue down, encounter these Durlins, as they've shapeshifted into these dog frogs, I don't know, that consume energy and spit it back out at you. So John goes and busts a hole in the floor, and they go even further down. And there's a, a, a big, complex prison. It's basically a circular Pandorica, uh, for those of you who know what that is. Uh, <laughs> and, uh... One of uh, John's uh, lanterns uh, used to be a thief. She starts picking the lock. She does so fairly quickly because the Durlins show up, and right as they show up, two blasts of beam energy go screeching into their faces of these monsters. And John's like, what the hell? And out of the shadows comes, I thought the core forgot about me, really weak voice, about some yes. Aw, yeah. I don't know what the hell he's wearing, but it looks cool. Does that look like Quardian gear to you? Um, it looks some. It looks like a combination of Quardian gear and Wolverine's brown costume. <laughs> Aresia is like Sodom. I knew you were alive, and and one of the the, the remaining Durlins like you can't take him. I'll pull the whole prison on your head. And Sodom's like, nope, we're leaving, and blasts a massive hole through the center of this Durlin. John gives a basic recap of who he is because one of the lanterns asks who he is. He's a Daxamite. They bust out of the surface, and as they're leaving the planet, Sodom explains the conditions of his captivity, saying, uh, but they never interrogated me the entire time they had me about the core. They just wanted to know about the Daxamites. And that's when, because evidently the Durlins had never heard of a Daxamite until they met Sodom yet. So John says, my God, that's what they were after all along. Mogo wasn't the real target. The Durlins are going to invade Daxam. With that DNA, they'll build an army of supermen. If they succeed, the core won't stand a chance. Because don't forget, the Durlins replicate, don't just take on the form of somebody, they replicate them down to the DNA. Meaning once a Durlin is in direct sunlight, they'll become as strong as a Daxamite. And that is the end of that issue. So your boy Sodom Yad is back. Yes, he is. Sodomy! That's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be a bigger threat to uh, this uh, Durlin plan, Sodom Yat or Muck Muck. <laughs> maybe they'll be the new. Maybe they'll be sector partners. <laughs> Sodom Yat and Muck Muck. <laughs> Hell yeah! The buddy cop con- comedy you always wanted but never knew you needed. <laughs> Sodom Muck. <laughs> so would you? I keep asking this. What do you think? <laughs> well, we're supposed to ask that, aren't we? <laughs> I, I know, but I keep asking it of you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad Sodom Yat is back, because at least some some writer finally remembered that there is a Sodom Yat, and he was taken off in a half-assed kind of way, and, and we've never seen him again. Wasn't, wasn't he really taken off? Just kind of gone. <laughs> well, he was kind of taken off. He was he was, he was was taken off, or as Dan would say, car, by car door. <laughs> yeah. And floating off into space, leading into War of the Green Lanterns. Um... But that was about the last, that's certainly the last time we've seen him when Guy didn't take the killing shot or wanted to and Arisio you know, didn't, wouldn't let him. Uh, I'm glad he's back, uh, as we kind of discussed a few, a few episodes ago, uh, when this issue first came out, that this is, it's not really 100% a surprise since they had, um, I think Van Jensen had mentioned the fact that Sodom Yat was going to be brought back. So it was just a matter of when it kind of, and once you realize they had an art, uh, basically a prison full of lanterns, it kind of made sense that that's it was a good way at least to get him back into the game. And then you could start filling in the background of where he's been and where he, when he got captured later. 
So I like that. I like the fact that the lanterns are free. It's kind of an interesting idea about the Daxamites. And in, in issue 32, you'll see more of where they're going with that, with the Daxamites and the energy source that they're planning on putting into the da- – You know, once they copy the Daxamites, what they're going to do to amp up the Daxamites so they don't have to worry about their nuclear energy recharge anytime, anytime soon or ever. I thought it was a pretty good issue overall. Um, for core. For core, yes, that's – that you beat me to the punch for core. It was a pretty good issue. Again, it's not the storyline is not exactly enthralling as a whole, but I, th- but much like with green lantern, I think the issues have gotten better. So they're not, you know, they're certainly not going out with a thud as far as uh, the way it's going so far. I, I don't want to be too optimistic since we still have four more parts of this thing, but at least it has gotten a little better and a little more interesting as it, as it's, as it's gone on. Um, I thought it was, yeah, for, for core, it, and the way core has been going, it, it it was pretty good. And I think having the big, you know, the big surprise ending with Sodom Yat being being their prized prisoner, I think is is a plus. Now, I'm kind of even though I think that I think they will, um, but I'm kind of hoping they don't keep him looking like uh, with the uh, the whole super mullet Superman look. I'm kind of hoping that's going to be a short term look, and he goes back to his cropped hair. But yeah, I kind of forgot what he looked like. But he, but he had, but he kind of had unruly hair. In the uh, in that tiger storyline, right in the original Blackest Night prophecy, wasn't he? He kind of didn't he kind of have. Well, he also had a massive mohawk in the Legion of Three Worlds. Yeah, he did. Have, I remember that, but I'm but I thought that in that in the original prophecy, I thought I thought his hair was was more unruly than it was uh, cropped. But I could be wrong. I don't remember. That's uh, Tales of the Green Lantern Corps Annual Number Two. Uh, and I have that issue somewhere. I, I know because I was just reorganizing my comics the other day. I just haven't read it in a while. I can't remember what he looked like in there. I remember him being in there. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to off the top of my head remember what he what he looked like. I thought he had not that it's really you know super relevant, but um, I'd like to know what he's wearing. Yeah, uh, maybe you'll find out. Maybe those. Maybe it relates to, the, to a containment suit or something. To uh, because they all because they also have. To, they also have to explain um, how he was able to to live without having a Green Lantern ring. Yeah. Because of the lead poisoning that he had. Unless it's, without, a, unless it's a New 52 retcon. Um, I I like to think that they're not going to just do that. I think I'd like to think they're at least going to give us a, an explanation for it. Um, I know some some something I read, and I think this was just a fan commenting that they thought that uh, and I think they read this wrong that when when Krona took him out of the sun. And put the other, and kind of, because he kind of replaced his ring or did something to his ring at that point when he when he took Ion out of him. But I don't think he ever cured him of his poison. I think he just gave him that customized or that custom ring so he could uh so he could drain the power out. Actually, I think uh, I think I found the picture we were looking for. It looks like he might have he he might have short hair. Mm. It's hard to see actually. His 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 hair is not a, is not uh easily seen in that picture because all you see is his outrageously bulked up form. So maybe it is still cropped, but not that that's the written in stone soda me out anyway. Since obviously Blackest Night, at least in one version, is coming gone already, and he's still alive. And shave it into so. a mohawk. That's right. By the end of Uprising, Sodom Yad better have a fucking crazy mohawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the next the next Lantern event. Yeah, which will yep. be right after this. Yep. It's like before the agitation of the second Lantern is over, he'll be wearing a mohawk. That's right. But, but so what did you think of the issue? I mean, again, I, I thought it was good for a core issue. Um, Tyriot, I, I, he, I've said it before, he's, he's one of my favorite Lanterns. It was good to see him 
at least visually, one of my favorite lanterns. So it was good to see him show up. And, you know, he was like, at one point, he's like taking on three Kundis. Was it Kundis or Durlins? I think it was Kundians. Uh, he's taking on three three of the Kund at, at once. <laughs> you know, he's just kind of going beast mode on people in there. Um, it, it, it was good to have the core back. I mean, even though even though the they were replaced by Durlins and, you know, they were still at, supposed to be acting like, you know, regular lanterns, you kind of, I don't know if I'm explaining it really well, but once once the real lanterns are involved in fighting, it it feels like the real lanterns. You know what I mean? Right. So that was cool. Um, and uh, some of the creatures and stuff that uh, the the Durland shapeshifted into were pretty interesting. And uh, John's little architectural crack was pretty funny. But I mean, yeah, it was it was a, it was a good issue. Uh, for being a part of this never-ending Durlin saga, <laughs> for being an issue of core, um, I have not really ever liked the art 100% in this, uh, in this, uh, series, um, but it, it seemed to work a little better in this issue, um, it did do the, uh, random red, black, and white panels again every now and then, I, I, I wish someone would give us an explanation of why they're doing that. Or what's going on there? Um, but yeah, I mean, I for for an issue of Core with Core uh, having all the hangups it's had for a while now uh, with with both of us, it was it was pretty good. It was probably the best issue of Core I've read in a while. I would agree. Yeah, it's certainly been on the uptick. Uh, I think I think both the I think both Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core have been getting better. It's just that the storyline that they're kind of bogged down in isn't necessarily getting better. True. And that's and. And that's kind of like negating whatever whatever pluses as far as the readability, the enjoyability of the of the actual individual issues. It's still being still got the albatross around its neck about the you know about this the uprising, yeah, the whole Kuhn and Durlin thing, which at least we keep referring to it as the like the the, the Durlin Kuhn thing. And and the, and the one bright side though, I'm, I I can't I won't get give away the reason why or, or what. We won't be after next issue of Green Lantern. We probably we don't we can we can start referring to it as something slightly different than the Durlin Coon thing. Probably just wanna, the Durlin thing. You you were pretty much on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Given the, I really wasn't going to say it, but since you gave me the opening, yeah, yeah. yes, we can we can from now on call it the Durlin thing. <laughs> uh, so uh, you want to finish up with Red Lanterns? Yeah, let's let's go out at least on a positive note. <laughs> yep. Red Lantern thirty one. The Bloody Rule of the Judge. Charles Sewell's the writer. Alessandro Vitti is the artist. We pick up on Spectre 775, where we left off in last issue, with basically both both uh, factions of Red Lanterns arriving to try to essentially get the judge or find out where the ring went, and then to claim the judge for themselves, since she's an extremely powerful, though raw, extremely powerful Red Lantern. Atrocitus is talking to her. Uh, he and Dexter are there first, and he's trying to point out, "Do you do you realize what you've become? Something grand and glorious. You you've been newly born, or actually reborn as a Red Lantern. You know, come with me, and I'll doing his best Vader like a join me. Like come with me, and I can tell you what that means. What is your name? I mean, I would know you. And she goes, "Well, I'm all she remembers, or all she can refer to herself as the Judge." And who are you? Are you righteous? <laughs> and Atrocitus goes, My dear lady, I am Atrocitus. There is no one more righteous than I. And she goes, We shall see. And she grabs onto uh, Atrocitus's head. Uh, Dexdarth just assumes she's being attacked. And as, a, as any loyal kitty would, 
jumps into battles to save it to save his master. Of course, uh, she kind of just whacks him and sends him flying. He smashes into the wall. He does his great little bad kitty and basically turns into Battle Cat there with armor on. And, and uh, Dexter is about to re-enter the fray. And Atrocitus tells him, you know, tells him not to. That you know, let the judge do what she will. I have nothing to hide. She finishes scanning and reading him, and she points out that you know I can't judge you. You have done really horrible things, but you don't believe that what you did is wrong. And in your mind, and everything you did was justified and necessary. You know, on my planet, you would be a monster if you were under the laws of my people. You would be a monster. But as Atrocitus points out, but I am not one of your people. And she goes, right, so who am I to say? And she, and Atrostis continues kind of like the, uh, the, the Emperor Palpatine Vader way of speaking to her. Like, let me tell you, you are a red lantern, a sacred weapon for justice in the universe, and I am your maker. Above, we have, well, we have Skalix and, uh, Guy, and they're kind of assessing the fact that, you know, how powerful she is. You know, we have to, you know, we have to stop. Guy's pointing out we have to stop what's going on down there. The whole city's dying. Because I'm open to suggestions, Gardner. You know, Atrocitus and Dexter are out there too. Don't forget. And, you know, Guy's still thinking. He hasn't, you know, <laughs> Scalic's going, what should, what should we? And goes, I know, I'm thinking that, you know, this red, you know, this new red could probably take us out by herself. And then we kind of have Atrocitus and his pet monster down there. Poor Dexter. That, you know, this has gotten out of control and never should have split us up to look for the new Reds. Uh, just when he's saying that, uh, Bleez and Supergirl show up and they mention the fact that, you know, do we have, uh, can you get, can you get up to the, uh, ship? And, you know, can we need to, we got the, the blood that they took with them from, the, from the lake and use malt in case they found the Red Lantern to try to, a uh, basically decrazy them. That Kara kind of says, Oh, I d- you know, I got this. Don't worry about it. And she flies off. I'll handle it. She goes back up to the ship where Zox is working, and she kind of mentions, "Where did you put the blood from the lake?" And he kind of points out that he put it, you know, which you know which cargo hold he basically put it in. Basically, he put it there, you know, and that's one in particular because it's extremely, it's designed basically to deal with extremely caustic chemicals, just in case the blood in the lake would eat through the ship. And she points out, "Oh, that's cool, no problem. I'll, I'll take it." So Supergirl, basically, she takes the entire part of the cargo hold, which is holding the blood lake or the remnants, the parts of the blood lake that they took with them. She rips it open and she basically drops it over the entire city. Bleez kind of goes to Zox, I mean, goes to Skalix and Guy. Uh, what did she? Skalix points out, well, you have to admit it's an efficient solution. I mean, why, why bring this red to the blood when we can bring the blood to her? Guy's like, damn it, let's get over there now. And... We switch to the judge, Dexter, and Atrostis. The blood's raining down on them. She, you know, the judge is confused. Atrostis kind of figures out what it is as the blood starts to pool. He sticks his finger in it, and it's like, it is. He goes, Gardner, you fool. Uh, the, the blood keeps hitting the judge and starts getting coating her to a certain extent. So it starts, and she falls down and starts doing what the, so it's working and doing what it was intended to do on her. Atrocitus goes, come on, Dexter, and, you know, Guy and the traitors that attacked us, you know, they attack us with the sacred blood, the very substance that makes us who we are. Clearly, he's forgotten the most important thing about Red Lanterns. The blood is mine. But Atrocitus looking really, really, really weird in that panel. So Atrocitus practices his blood magic and kind of creates a, a blood, like Red Lantern tornado in the sky. Uh, Supergirl's like, what's happened or what's happening? Guy points out it's Atrocitus, and he knows, and now anyway, he knows we're here. 
She still keeps apologizing. You know, I didn't mean to. Blaze points out, you know, Atrocitus is a shaman. He created the rings and the mystical blood, and he can control it. You know, he's telling us basically with this cons- with this blood tornado that he that we have no hope against him. Guy says, you know, he can use that blood, right? Power up somehow. Yeah, he's got that. You know, it's magic. And he goes, Blaze. It's yeah, you know, there's not much we can do really. You know, maybe we should, you know, we should withdraw. <laughs> and you know, Scalix in his own humorous way. You can always kind of picture him saying these things in a very dry humor kind of way. Like, unless you want to choose this moment to confront the person you savagely beat to death not so long ago. And Guy realizes, you know, damn it, you know, this is just a great situation. And Kara's like, no, I can fix this. You know, he made us. He should pay for this. She uses her heat vision to basically set the blood tornado on fire. So it doesn't really do much except set it on fire. It doesn't destroy it. Both Dexter and uh, that's kind of a cute scene with the paw over his eyes. Both Dexter and Atrocitus are kind of covering their eyes from the fire. You know, they set it on fire. Those idiots. And you know, maybe we should we should take our new friend and leave Dexter because whoever sets this on fire is pretty powerful. Referring to Supergirl, Blaze kind of rips into figuratively and literally Supergirl and slaps her across the face about controlling yourself. And tells her to grow up, that, you know, wearing a ring, a red ring is a struggle. You can't give in to every single impulse, you know, no matter how much you want to. You keep insisting you're not a child, but yet, you know, you act like it, so so grow up. You know, Blees is right. Guy says, you know, Kara, I might have said it differently, but it's not about being angry all the time. It's about, you know, being angry for the right reasons and doing something with it. And he kind of points out to her as she tries to rebut him, that point, that the kid you know, don't become a problem. I know you don't want to become a problem. You want to help, but don't become a problem. Um, guy, as a guy in the Reds, kind of trying to figure out what exactly they should do here, how we should handle this. It, you know, it could it could destroy the entire planet. Scalix points out that he has an idea. They basically all hold hands, not really kumbaya holding hands, but still. And it's the fact that Scalix points out he watched Atrocitus. He studied him as he performed the blood magic. He made us, but there's something of him in all of us. You know, we're not Atrocitus, but we wear the ring. So we also have or should have some control over the blood magic. They work to, So they focus. They work together. And basically they, they dry up and stop the blood, the blood tornado. Now we kind of see all the damage that has been wrought by all of them. Um Atrocitus, I mean, a guy points out that now we just got to, you know, we, you know, we can't do much about the city till we find, you know, till we find this new red and Atrocitus. And he just wants to kick Atrocitus' ass again. The judge kind of wakes up from her blood-induced slumber or recovery phase. Atrocitus, I mean, she kind of has a moment of regret, like, what have I done? Atrocitus continues the seduction speech. You know, you've done the right thing. You brought justice. You know, the, the justice, your righteous rage called you to deliver. You know, you're the most powerful Red Lantern I've met in ages. You know, you held the madness at bay even without, you know, the the bl- the the blood from the lake to start with. I extend my hand to you. Come with me. I will teach you purpose or g- sh- teach you your purpose, give you purpose. Guy in the red show up then like, pal, the lady's not going anywhere and neither are you. <laughs> Take him and the damn cat too. Atrocitus plays the rancor can, can uh, hand, excuse me. His can has nothing to do with it. The Rancor hand. <laughs> Rancor's can is another episode. That ass, though. As much as Blaze would like it to be this one. He plays the Rancor hand. Uh, guy basically tells them that works. 
very effectively because guy puts up his hand and goes, hold it, wait, wait. He goes, we knew you had, I mean, we know you have him. Belize told us you have him. You know, it's not going to save you. And he goes, well, we weren't talking about me. We're talking about him. I mean, and he points out that the other Red Lantern that we saw when when Blaze and uh, Rancor bumped into Dexter and Atrocis a few issues ago, Klarn, that Klarn has basically been left guarding Rancor. And if he doesn't, you know, if he, Atrocis doesn't get back, he and Dexter soon that her instructions are to kill Rancor. Blaze starts going off. If you monster, if he dies at your hands, he goes, what will you do? Blaze, and he points in, going for her weakness, which is that you had a chance to die with him pretty much and you ran away. You know, But there's a way you can have Rancor back. And, and Guy go, goes, okay, out with it. He goes, leave me with her, the judge, and I will return Rancor to you. And that is my blood oath. Before Guy can even make a decision, uh, the judge points out the fact that you know she... She doesn't really understand what she is yet, doesn't understand about the ring. She needs to basically see both sides of the coin like any good judge. She has seen Atrocitus' side, but now she needs to see Guy's side and the other red side. So and she's sorry if this dooms this Rancor person, but you know, but I'm you know, but I must be judged, she says. So she needs to basically spend some time with the other Reds before she can decide where she belongs. Guy doesn't you know, Guy completely understands this. He goes, you know, if you don't want to go with Atrocis, hey, I don't blame you. Blee starts losing it. Blee starts losing it. It's like you can't kill him now. You can't let this happen. Now it's it's Kara's turn to uh, kind of comfort, or not comfort, but to try to talk some sense into Blee's. Guy goes, okay, so is this it? You're declaring war on us right now? And he goes, not now, not yet. You'll know. And all the things I have planned for you, Guy Gardner, and anyone who stands with you. And Guy goes, get in line, pal. You ain't the first, and I guarantee you won't be the last. So they kind of have their moment. They stare down. And until then, Gardner and, he, and, and Atrocitus flies off. Uh, the people of the Judge's Planet, they ask, will you just all leave? I mean, we can't force you to leave, clearly, but could you please leave? Supergirl wants to plead her case. Well, we can help. We can clear away the damage. And Guy points out, well, if they don't want our help, Kara, we, we can't force them. And, you know, please, she points, you know, she comments, please is right. So much for being the good ones. They kind of like just in a way lick their wounds. They all fly off with the judge. Skalix goes to Guy, you know, what's next? And he goes, what do you think is next? We're going to get Rancor back. So next issue, Operation Rescue Rancor. And thus ends 31. Probably kind of a weird place to start, but I kind of like that, um, Zox is still working on the ship. Yeah, that's his thing. Well, no, not just that, but like if if this were another comic book, maybe somebody else writing it, that they would have mentioned Zox is going to fix the ship. Okay, the fix the ship is fixed. You know what I mean? Like he's Oh yeah, I know what you, I do know what you mean, but It's 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 working, but he's like still improving on it and everything. So that's cool. But obviously, but obviously that's a thing, that's something that Tinkering, or at least at least when it comes to ships, is something that was important to him since from the get-go. So yeah, I think it was. It, it's kind of cool to see that 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 basically the the difference in their personalities, their own, their different interests. That it is it isn't like a one-time deal just to show that they have them. That they, you know, given the opportunity, they're still gonna you know, since guys giving them that freedom that they can essentially that they will you know they kind of are embracing it. Yeah, I like the judge. The judge is really cool. Trying to figure out what else about this issue. Atrocitus looks weird. Yeah, he he does look weird. Yeah, well, Atrocitus, Atrocitus, 
I think we've talked about this before. He, I just don't like the way he's, he hasn't been drawn well in a long time. I mean, no, not really. He just really hasn't. He just looks like this, kind of like this, I'm not going to say fat, but he kind of looks like this bulky bald dude in red armor now for the most part with really, really weird ass parallax teeth. And he looks, he used to be so much cooler looking. <laughs> if you look at his face compared to the judge's face in a lot of ways, other than the, the, the basic shape of their face, but if you look at the teeth and the eyes, I mean, they almost look like the. <laughs> I wonder if that's intentional. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's, but it's. Because he, they, he does mention that he hasn't seen that kind of rage in a long time. So maybe the intensity of his rage deformed him in a way, the way, the same way it deformed her. Maybe. But they deformed them both in the same way. It's possible. Uh, Dexter, Dexter is a little armor thing. Cool, but pointless. He doesn't do anything with it. Well, that's because, you know, he doesn't, you are correct. He does nothing with it, but that's because, uh, Trost tells him not to. He's about to, but I do like him in his little battle cat armor. That's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Bad kitty! Thought it was a good issue, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the highlight of the of the basic four books this month. You may think New Gu- you like New Guardians a lot too. Yeah, to me, this is, to me this is the one I think is the best. And I think with this issue, this catapults Red Lanterns to me as the be- as the number one book right now of yeah. the four. So let's see. And it's all and it's all setting up the big guy versus Atrocitus Duke Duke out, which is coming really quickly. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about this. I mean, it's it's a great issue, but I mean, it's kind of all there. It is. It, it is all kind of like the way Green Lantern was all there, except that wasn't a great issue. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but this was, but this is the way Red Lanterns has been lately. Red Lanterns has been pretty straightforward, been really enjoyable, and there are some things I mean to look at, like to delve into. If you, I mean, by as connective tissue, I suppose. But for the most part, you know, it's pretty. You know what. What you see is what you get, but yet it's 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 good. This is it's good stuff. It is very good stuff. I mean, is there is there anything else you wanted to say about this issue? I mean, it's I again, I have no idea what to. No, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's I think we I think we've covered it. It's I think it's the Red Lanterns continues to be if it's not the absolute best book, it certainly has become probably the most consistent book I think of the four. Right. And that says a lot these days, compare, certainly compared to where it was. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, okay, so uh, listener feedback. Guys, we, uh, we, we were, since we reviewed five issues in this uh, episode rather than the standard four, uh, or you know, three if you talk about the, the other uh, older reviewer, the review episodes, uh, we're just going to do uh, an email this time and maybe a little bit of talk to lit. Mark ramble on about something that he didn't know about yet. So do you want to do the email? <laughs> That's a good way to begin. <laughs> uh, do, do you want to do the email? Or you want to? Yeah, let's. Yes, let's do the. Let's do the email. All right. Uh, from our buddy Andy, um, which is appropriate that that topic is Red Lantern since we just kind of talked about. We just kind of have a nice segue into it. Hi guys, just listened to episode 182. Great review, and I'm responding. Given your plea for emails. Uh, as I said in an earlier email, I agree that Red Lanterns is the best Green Lantern book currently, and this is because they are building characters with personality, personality, characters you can invest in. When it was announced that Guy would be joining the Reds, I was worried for several reasons. Guy is far and away my favorite Lantern. He has a great depth of character that is often overlooked or ignored. He is most definitely the one that you would want to have your back to have your back in a fight. 
I feared that he would be misused and that the title would be on its way out. But the book is developing into a great ensemble piece, and I love the humor. Once again, I will say that this is the book that Green Lantern Corps should be. Keep up the good work. Andy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Andy. And I actually didn't get a chance to reply to him yet, but he just wrote us today, so I will. <laughs> so not, not, think, not a whole lot of comments. They're just, just thanking us. That's pretty cool. Well, and, and giving and well, giving agreeing. his... Well, I mean, yes, but giving yeah. his thoughts on, you know, and his concerns about Guy joining the Reds, which I think... I think a lot of people thought it'd either just be a gimmick or it was just basically a way to make sure every one of the main four Earth Green Lanterns had their own book. Myself included. Yeah. Um, or or that it was just simply a gimmick to prevent a book that they thought was kind of drowning and try to throw it a Guy Gardner life preserver. Yeah. So And even if that did kind of factor in, if, if any of that or all of it factored into their decision-making process, it does not change the fact that it, it has worked. It has worked very, very well. And the book is exactly how Andy described it. I mean, it is an ensemble piece right now. It's it's a character study that all the Red Lanterns you're 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 seeing more about them and understanding what makes them tick. I mean, even with Blees, I mean, you kind of knew from early on, you know, Blees what a crappy deal she got and why she ended up being a Red, but she was pretty much a one-trick pony, other than or maybe that was part of her one-trick pony was to try to basically get rid of Atrocitus. But there's, they've added so much to it, you know, with Scalix, you know, you know, you kind of get Scalix seems to be the pragmatist, if you will, in the group for better or for worse, especially based on his conversation with Zox, I think last issue when he was basically saying, you know, we could very easily sell out Guy and I think Atrocitus will take us back. So he's kind of like the Peter Baelish of, uh, <laughs> he's kind of like the little finger of the Red Lanterns. <laughs> He'll adjust to any situation and try to make it work for him. Uh, but he's still a good – he's an interesting character, and he's funny. He's he's probably – other than Guy, of course, he's probably the funniest one because he always has that those subtle dry humor thrown in. So I like it. I think – I'm kind of really – I'm not going to say concerned. I really don't know how they're going to resolve or reconcile the whole Atrocitus Guy Gardner thing because you can't really imagine them despite the buildup. You can't really imagine them killing off either one, and you also can't really imagine at the moment, though I guess you could probably – they might – this might be the solution. They'll come out, come up with a way that the two teams can kind of work together or become one again if they can come with a, a like a common mission statement, which might be hard. So it's kind of in, I'm intrigued by the fact that they're building towards something and that, that you don't know where it's going to go, but yet it has to go somewhere. So I think that's kind of a refreshing change, and you don't really even I don't even know which side I really want to come out on top. I like Guy, and I like how he's changed the Reds, but I also like Atrocitus and Dexter. And atrocity, you can't think. It's hard to think of the Reds without thinking of Atrocitus. So it, it'll be curious how it how it plays out. But it's it's the book I'm enjoying the most. New Guardians, for the most part, I've been enjoying pretty much on par with on par with Red Lanterns. So we'll see. But I agree. I think I, I think everybody who's who had a lot of concern about why they were bringing Guy into this book or whether it was going to work, I think they can they can rest easy now. I think so. It's, it, I mean, the, just if for no other reason than the fact that it's one of the best Lantern books. I mean, that, that's your proof right there. And even though we, and we kind of joke about this, about the bar not being set overly high with that right now, the point still is there's four Lantern books. Well, technically, as we speak, you could say there's six because Laura Fleece is still not dead yet as a book, and Sinestro is, is still going. So at least for like one more month, there will technically be six monthly 
Lantern related books, but still, I mean, New Guardians is, I mean, uh, Red Lanterns is right at the top, regardless. So it's, yeah, it's, it's impressive. And it's, we can only hope that Green Lantern and Cork can, uh, have a renaissance like this soon. Yeah. And your, give you an opportunity to, to go off a little bit. Uh, for those of you who follow our Facebook page, they finally released the other, uh, what, yesterday, the final image of the Lantern Hero Clicks. Uh, the, in this case, it would be the, um, the Black Lantern Hero Clicks. So, uh, what, what do you want to, what do you want to say about the Hero Clicks, Mark, if anything? What would you like me to say, Chad? <laughs> I, I assume you want me to talk about the availability well, of the hero well, clicks. <laughs> well, the hero clicks are, are I mean, it's it's part of the whole toy thing, and you're the merch guy, so I've, I know, and I have no problem talking about it. But, yeah. but what exact? But but what would you like me to deal to delve into more than anything else? Is it the availability aspect of Pro- this? <laughs> probably the availability. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's what I figured you. Well, first, I mean, they haven't released the pictures, the close-ups of the uh, individual Black Lanterns, which we probably will post tomorrow because it's usually on Fridays, I think, that they reveal these. But the Black Lantern Corps, first of all, looks pretty damn awesome. Um, they have some really huge figures in there. The Necron figure, the Black Lantern Anti-Monitor. I'm not sure how those figures are going to be available. Maybe they're going to be part of the, the op set or the prize set that gets released. One, There's a different set for every month. Um, so maybe that's how they're going to become available because it's hard to imagine they're just going to be available for sale on their own. But the, but continues the pattern of the figures we've seen so far, which are very impressive. And as, as of last week, the first, it appears last week was the first week that the, any of the booster bricks, any of the booster packs became available for this game because they started popping up on eBay, mostly individual figures at first, and now the booster bricks themselves are being are going at eBay for mostly anywhere from $280 up. And a booster brick, in case people don't know, that's basically a a ten a pack of ten boosters. So you get ten a ten booster packs and a brick. So obviously, if you're paying $300 for it, it's $30 a a booster pack, which is pretty which is pretty expensive. Apparently, that. Hero Clicks, when they created this event, and it's supposed to be like a six-month event, uh, that the whole goal behind this was to get people to play the game, which you kind of respect on some level. But you can't really buy these. You're not supposed to be able to buy these booster packs unless you're playing the game in the store, like in an event. And if you're not going to play in an organized event, you're not sp- supposed to be able to buy these booster packs. So that's going to make it really different. So that's one of the reasons why, for a while, they had booster bricks being available, let's say, on DCBS, because because I had ordered one for for uh, for the Lantern Cast people. I had I had ordered one, and we were going to to see what we got in a booster brick, and then you know split up the figures. But it was canceled before the order from the May orders uh, wrapped up. I, I got an email like a couple of days before the May orders. Um, were finalized to say that oh, this item is no longer available, and it's hard to find booster bricks and they shouldn't they technically shouldn't be available on ebay either they are clearly but that's not what they're intended for so it as awesome there's like i think 96 figures in the in the release for this uh green the war of light event and it's going to be really difficult for if you're a green lantern fan to get most <laughs> to get these figures anywhere because other than the, the super common ones like the blue lantern recruits and yellow lantern recruits which are just generic figures i mean those are going to be like a dime a dozen you can probably find those not only cheap on ebay but even in your local comic shop if they sell hero clicks so they sell loose figures they're probably going to have those 
But the really rare figures or even the super, you know, the moderately rare figures, it's going to be hard because you're not really supposed to be able to just go up to the counter and buy a pack, of, a booster pack like you could have a different set. I I, I can respect the fact that they, re- they really are trying to drive to get people to play the game. I think <laughs> being a Green Lantern fan, I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking that they couldn't have come up with a, maybe a, a better storyline or a better uh, set of figures to do that with. Since there are a lot of Green Lantern fans and a lot of people were, you know, a lot of emotional spectrum fans, especially the War of Light and everything as a concept. But the different story arcs, that, you know, the Rage of the Red Lanterns, Agent Orange, all these things that it's going to be hard to get these figures. They will always be hard. Even if they were available to everybody to buy booster packs, getting a complete set would be hard. Now it's going to be hard unless you're spending like $25, $30. And that's even for a generic, not a generic, but an, but a non, a not super rare figure. If you want to buy an entity, for God's sake, even last week, the entities were going on eBay for like a, over like $100, $150 each. Jesus. I know. That's for one friggin' hero clicks figure. I mean, even even a Hal Parallax, which was from this from this set, which was in the San Diego Comic Con exclusive from from many years ago, that even that was going for like thirty something bucks. First Lantern, which is supposed to be a very rare figure, I think it actually might be the last figure from the last numbered figure. I think it might be from uh, the first wave because I think the first wave is just the odd figures. They're all odd numbered figures, and the even ones I think come out in the second uh, booster brick set. Uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it, it's, it's hard and I don't, this is, and it's disappointing, especially as we've seen these pictures roll out in, um, uh, a newsarama and everything. And we've seen how cool these figures are and they don't show you all the figures anyway. They just show you a lot of the figures. I mean, they show you a few of the figures from each core and there's going to be more coming and it's just kind of disappointing that they're going to make it so difficult to find these or buy these at least until, for a while down the road once the event's over with in theory if anybody had packs left over yeah then they could probably sell them to anybody but a lot i've also heard a lot of the shops have also been shorted on their booster bricks that based on the number of you know prize sets the op sets and the people who are supposed to be able to play there's a certain number of booster packs per player they're supposed to be able to get and i think that a lot of i've, I've heard many shops have been shorted on the number of booster bricks that they, that they've gotten based on the number of players so that's going to make it even harder too. And then you have people who take – it's kind of like they're creating – the forcing a secondary market just off the bat by the fact that nobody can get any – you know, you can't get a, any – you can't just buy one single booster pack anywhere. So, of course, if anybody wants these not just to sell but for themselves, they're going to have to go scout around. And I have a, I have, you know, I have a lead on a couple of ways to get, you know, booster – to get a booster brick hopefully or, or if not more than one for – you know, for Chad and I and Jim and Dan and people like that to at least see, to get some figures in this, but let's we'll have to see how it turns out. But yeah, that's that's my thought. Great figures to be nice collectibles to have, but they're going to be hard to get. I did get my I get, did get the Sinestro Core War scenario pack today because my deep CBS box came. Awesome. And and the Hal and the Sinestro figure, which I haven't opened yet, but they look pretty cool. It looks like the paint jobs are pretty cool, and. So that's a pretty, it's a nicely box set too. It's uh, but those are those are going to be like the the bones that they get th- they get thrown that everybody can get. And who knows, maybe maybe some of the bigger figures will be that way too. Maybe you know Anti Monitor since the original Anti Monitor figure way back when, just like the Sinestro, you know, in the with the construct that they made a long time ago. Those figures tend to be they made available, but I don't know if I remember what all the price 
packs were in um for the different months but some of the some of the cooler figures like are going to be in the prize packs too so larflees is like the first month and i know i think saint walker's one i think Arkillo's one um so some of those figures are on the bright side it looks like the op the uh starting sets the prize packs like those are not as difficult to get on eBay. You can get those for at least a, a slightly cheap, more reasonable price, like a $30 price to get the four or five figures and the maps or whatever it comes with. That's my pseudo hero clicks rant. And on that note, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll just go ahead and, uh, oddly cut it off because we are, we, I think we're over where we wanted to be on this episode. So we might be, yeah, especially, yeah, we might be, but with some editing, we, of some things, we might be close to, but so. You you want to know how they can contact us, don't you, Chad? That's right. How do they contact us? Well, you can contact us by emailing us, lanterncast at gmail.com. That's lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our farms through there. You can check out our galleries, our products of the week, our movie reviews, which Chad and I have been doing a pretty decent job of throwing one out there relatively consistently now you can follow us on twitter or like us on facebook you can use hashtag glcast to find us on either one or both of those we are on itunes and stitcher and everything on itunes the feed is all up and running and moving smoothly again uh if you if you'd like us on itunes please leave us a positive review Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, and we're still waiting for the first one since we've taken over the show, call us at 708-LANTERN. That's 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. That's right, and uh, next episode, who knows? We don't even know yet. It's just going to be whatever we feel like doing. Damn straight. That's right, darn skippy. That's how we roll. That's right. Muck, muck. Muck, muck. <laughs> All right, guys, talk to you later. All right, good night, everybody. Good night. saying on earth we say i'm only human we say because we, we know we're afraid we do not say that because of fear we say that because we've colossally f***ed something up nobody who looks to the skies for a living sees this f***ing huge monster approaching earth possibly the saddest villain death ever who cries for hector hammond he didn't ask for this wasn't driven by greed or power and now he dies without redemption even Darth Vader got redemption. Carol fires Earth missiles into an intergalactic world-eating fear monster, and it actually works. Why does Parallax decide to ignore everyone else running around and focus on this random lady who fell in the street? <laughs> Every car in this city has an alarm. Hal and Parallax go through the asteroid belt, which is between Mars and Jupiter. Now somehow they've managed to get to the sun in 10 seconds, which is on the other side of where they came from. A giant fist is what knocks Parallax into the sun? Almost nothing ever affected him the whole movie, and now a f***ing fist. Sinestro only shows up after Hal's already destroyed the Parallax. F*** Sinestro. Can I train him? <laughs> or can I train him? Dude, you literally spent like three minutes beating him up, and then Sinestro took over the training. Abin Sur found another just like himself. Abin Sur had nothing to do with the selection process. The ring did the work. Wait, someone decent directed this?